August 5th and 6th Gabriel will be at Club Comedy in Seattle. August 10th to 23 he will be in the Middle East doing military shows and hopefully learning a little bit of goddamn discipline. For all of Gabriel's show dates and ticket links go to gabrielrutledge.com. Or don't. If you would like every episode of this podcast delivered to your email inbox, click on the Substack link in the episode notes. If you would like to give Gabriel some gas money, you also have the option to subscribe for $5 a month. And now it's time for the drive home with Gabriel Rutledge. Play the royalty-free hip-hop music. Now here's your host. Gabriel? I'll be honest, this is not the drive home. I mean, it is the drive home. That's the name of the podcast. But this is the drive to. Uh, I've got a show in Coburg, Oregon tonight, which is near Eugene, in case you want to look at a map while you listen to this podcast. I'm a part of Coburg Days, which is a celebration of all things Coburg. When Fred Coburg first came to town and killed all the Native Americans and founded that city. In his honor, Coburg Days. They should have spelled it D-A-Z-E. I feel like that's a missed opportunity for a cannabis sponsorship. So I don't know, I'm I'm, going to do a drive-to podcast, and then uh, for the next week I think I'm going to do a drive-home podcast, because uh, next week, uh, Rutledge Family Vacation at Seaside, Oregon. That's right, once a year, the Rutledges take all our bullshit on the road. Why argue in your house when you can do it in a hotel room near a beach? We go to uh, Seaside, Oregon a lot, almost every summer. Last summer we went to Hawaii, uh, but we're back or where we belong, Seaside, Oregon. Uh, and we go there because my mother-in-law has a timeshare. So it's uh, not that expensive. It's nice. It's nice to... Uh, I mean, it's a pain in the ass going on vacation in the sense that it's like, you know, who's going to take care of the cats? We got to pack everything, that kind of stuff. But compared to when the kids were little, when you're packing, I mean, we were packing travel cribs and diaper bags and diapers and wipes and when they were real. Real little, we would bring a swing because our son Johnny, who's 20 now, when he was a baby, the only way he would sleep is in one of those swings. Uh, so it's so nice now to have a 20-year-old, 14-year-old, and 11-year-old to go on vacation. Not that we don't have anything to bring, but much less stuff. Sure, I miss when they were young and cute. But unless something goes horribly wrong on this vacation, I will not be wiping any of their asses. 
I might not wipe mine. It's vacation. I'm on vacation for my problems. I'm having a little afternoon coffee. This is a little later in the day. 3.30 p.m. right now. It's usually a little later than I have a uh, non-decaf coffee, but, you know, long night ahead of me. Nice uh, six-and-a-half-hour round trip today with a show mixed in. When I first started comedy, all the old-timers were like, being a comedian's like being a trucker who tells jokes. And I was like, yeah! But I didn't know what they meant. But now I do. I drive somewhere, drop off a load of jokes, get back in the car. Drop off a load of jokes sounds grosser than I wanted it to. But you get the idea. I went to AMPM to get this coffee. Uh, not to brag, but I got that kind of money. And uh, I thought, hey, I'll get a coffee. I'll go pee. And then I go and uh, on the door, big sign, no bathroom. What? That's not how it works, AMPM. That's the arrangement we have. I stop and pee there. I probably grab a bag of chips and a coffee and some meat sticks or something. You make some money because you have a bathroom. That's the economic system that has made this country great. And overweight. Post-COVID... No one has a fucking bathroom. Well, guess what was open, AMPM? The bush behind your gas station. That was available. I didn't pee there. I actually went next door to Denny's and peed. But then you gotta, you know, you gotta act like... I don't know how much you have to act, but I like to act. I should have walked in and been like, hey, I'm a junior AARP member. And part of my benefits are I get to use your bathroom whenever I want. But instead, I walk in. This is what I do when, I, when I'm going to the bathroom in a hotel I'm not staying in or a restaurant I'm not going to eat at. I walk in on my phone with a sense of purpose. And then I say something into the phone like, no, 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 I'm here already. Like I'm meeting someone. And then I go to the bathroom and I leave. Is any of that necessary? Do I have to pretend like I'm an undercover detective? Just to take a pee at a Denny's? Not really, but I think I have fun doing it. You know, I like to get into character. I like to walk in on my phone like, oh my God, that's a lot of blood. Hey, where's your bathroom? I'm meeting someone here. No, sounds like you should call 911 if they're not breathing anymore.
Last week I bragged that uh, The Drive Home with Gabriel Rutledge was the number 95 comedy podcast in France. I also expressed doubts that that was actually true. Uh, I can't remember the name of the site, but it's some sort of podcast chart site. And I think the whole thing's bullshit. Because I looked, I wanted to see, uh, and it said this week I was like number 90-something. And then I saw there was this listing of all the other places. It said I was like number 250 in Canada. And it said I was the 156th ranked comedy podcast in the United States of America. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, if I was the 100 and non-binaries, if I was the 156th ranked comedy podcast in the United States of America, uh, I would be doing pretty well financially. And I probably wouldn't be on my way to perform at Chief's Bar and Grill in Coburg, Oregon tonight in the beer garden to celebrate Coburg days on the very spot that Fred Coburg slarred a tribe. Maybe that's why it's called Chief's. I didn't think about that, but This was the 156th ranked comedy podcast in the United States of America. I'd be doing ads. I'd be doing, like, you know, I'd have a flashlight ad. It's fun. I listen, I, you know, I actually don't listen to that many podcasts uh, right now. But, uh, you know, I've been listening for a long time. And in the very beginning, podcast ads would be like flashlight and weed gummies were most of the sponsors. And then the more the more legit they get, it's like betterhelp.com, like online counseling and, you know, actually more legit businesses. But in the beginning, it was like, enter promo code Rutledge at checkout and get 30% off of your flashlight. Also, any flashlight can be a flashlight if you're determined enough. 156th ranked comedy podcast. Actually, I'm number 68 in Vietnam, so shout out to all my Vietnamese listeners. (laughs) I had a lot of uh, Vietnamese and Cambodian friends when I was a kid. And uh, when I lived in South Bend, Washington, because uh, there was a there was a large uh, part of that community, uh, like brand new to the country kind of people, uh, because there was an oyster, not factory. What do they call it? Oyster cannery. There, oyster harvesting is like a big thing in uh, South Bend, Washington, in Willapaw Bay. In fact, they used to have a sign that said. South Bend, Washington, the oyster capital of the world. Uh, I don't think that was ever true, but you can put whatever you want on a sign. You could put South Bend, Washington, 156th ranked comedy podcast in the world. No one's going to complain. 
But anyway, I had uh, I had many uh, Cambodian Vietnamese friends uh, when I was a kid. Shout out to my best childhood friend Vu T. Great dude. Still chat with him occasionally on Facebook. But excuse the whiteness of this. Um, but knowing very little about the Vietnamese language, when you're listening. as a non-Vietnamese or Cambodian speaker. That, to my white ears, that language sounds so angry. I mean, I thought, I thought Vuti's parents were just screaming at him all the time. But really it was like, you know, past the salt. But that's an aggressive language to the uh, outsider. And I would love to do an eye impression of what I think that language sounds like, but I will not be doing that. Okay, because I used to think I could do whatever I want on this podcast, but that was before I knew I was the 68th ranked comedy podcast in Vietnam. Number 68 with a bullet. Well, when my wife Christy and I had a podcast uh, originally uh, called The Rutledges. Uh, man, many, many years ago now. The the place we did our podcast through, it was, I mean, it was called Green Room Radio. And uh, there was like a little, you know, a little podcast network or whatever. But the way the software and everything worked, we had trouble getting accurate numbers on how many actual listeners we had. And so there was a while, we were like three, four months into our podcast, and according to the numbers that we could see on the website, we were getting like 5,000 listens an episode. And we were like, there's no way. I mean, we're getting some feedback. People say they like it, but like, there's no way we're getting 5,000 listens. But we also, uh, saw this thing for adamnave.com if you would like to, you know, they would pay your podcast money. That was another early sponsor of a lot of podcasts, adamandneve.com, which was like sex toys. And so uh, I, I went to the adamandneve.com thing and they were like, uh, how many podcast listens do you have? I think it was like per month or something. And so I put in the number that our numbers were saying we were getting. And again, I think it was like Maybe it was 5000 a month. I don't remember, but it was like way more than the truth. But I put in the number. And so they were like, great, we will pay you. Adam and Eve paid the Rutledge's podcast $300 to do four weeks worth of ads. And then we had another thing, like you enter the promo code Rutledge and you get whatever, you know, 20, 20% off of a vibrator or something. Uh, and we ended up selling... Uh, two things with our promo code and one of them we bought so indeed those numbers were not correct but my favorite part about it other than we got $300 by lying about our podcast numbers uh, is I got to listen to uh, Christy do the ad reads for adamandeve.com and it was you know they were the ad reads that were like Hey, 
would you like to spice things up in the bedroom? They were that kind of ad. And uh, boy, what a thrill uh, to listen to my wife tell other people to buy vibrators and butt plugs. <laughs> Enter promo code Rutledge and have the greatest orgasm of your life. I'm like, you gotta stop doing these live reads. We gotta pause this podcast and go to the bedroom. podcast with it. Arousal. I almost said boner, which is my favorite word for an erect penis. Because it's so not sexy. If you're in a sexting relationship, if you like, you know, if you sex with people, (laughs) throw in the word boner just to see how it goes. Like, hey, you want to see a picture of my boner? (laughs) <laughs> or the other way around. Hey, show me your boner. I'd love to see it. Boner alert, send. <laughs> Baby, you look so good tonight. I have the biggest boner. What a not sexy word. You know another erect penis word that I don't hear anymore? Uh, hard on. I, I don't hear that anymore. Like, oh, I had a hard on. Not for nothing, but uh, I got a hard on right now. I don't like hard on. That's a weird way. I mean, also the opposite of a hard on would be soft off. And I don't, you know, no one wants that. I guess the opposite of erect is flaccid, but... It's not great either. Check out this boner, though. Pretty nice, huh? words come and go. Like, I, I, uh, I, you know, I have very woke children. It, well, okay, going into ninth grade, going into uh, sixth grade, and then my son is in college, but specifically my daughters could not be more woke. They, you know, they can tell you every flag color variation on the pride flag. They can tell you the asexual flag colors. That one particularly is very confusing to me. I mean, I'm sure there are people that are asexual. I think we can all think of people in our lives that are asexual. But I think it's very confusing for children to think about asexual as an option. Because all kids are kind of asexual. Anyway, that's not why. There's a word my daughters say for gay that was offensive when I was a kid. But it's okay now? Like, don't get me wrong, when I was, uh, I'm sure I've done it. It wasn't a thing I did a lot, but, you know, people would say, 
specifically boys, if someone was doing something dumb or perhaps feminine, we would be like, that's gay. And I get that that's not the best thing to do. Gay shouldn't be an insult. Gay is just a thing, right? Well, what my daughters say, if we are like watching a show or something, and then there's a character who is gay, or at least has some characteristics of gay, my daughters will say, I think he's fruity. I think he's a little fruity. That guy's fruity. Or like, you know, but not as an insult. Just as an acknowledgement that they're doing some stereotypically gay things. And there's no way to explain that to my 14-year-old and 11-year-old. There's no way to explain that, like, whatever you're saying now that's okay won't be in the future. I think they look at people, you know, my age, their parents' age, and they go, like, how could you ever say those things back in the day? But they don't understand things they say now are not going to be okay, you know, a year from now, let alone when they're in their 40s. But I was like, fruity? If you called someone a fruit when I was in middle school, that was not the same way. That wasn't like saying, that's gay, that's dumb. That was like saying, you're a homosexual. But to my daughters, it's just a fun thing to talk about. And I'm not gonna, I'll let them have it. I'm not gonna rain on their fruit parade. It's really easy to be the most open-minded, politically correct version of a person. Uh before you're a fully formed person. You know, and, and what I mean by that is like, you know, my 14-year-old and my 11-year-old, they have never had a romantic relationship. But whatever you're going to end up being, whatever you're going to end up being attracted to, is going to exclude somebody. Unless you're, what's the one? I wanna say omnivore, that's not it. There's not bisexual, but there's a, oh man, what is, it's the, it's something, you're attracted to everything is what it, you know. I can't remember what it's called. It's not omnisexual, but. But anyway, my point is like let's let's say you end up if you end up being a gay man, then you're not going to be attracted to women. If you end up being a straight person, you're not going to be attracted to uh you know, your your whatever your same gender is. There's some exclusion 
And what gives you a boner? <laughs> How'd you know you were gay? Well, I had a boner at a weird time. But like that, that kind of talk, that kind of like talk of like, you know, you're not going to be into, uh, that, to my daughters, that's almost like not being tolerant. And I, specifically one time, uh, we had a talk about, uh, being transgendered. By the way, the podcast is a secret. Don't talk about this shit. I know some people know my family. Shh. But we were having, like, a a talk, my wife and I and the girls, we were talking about transgender things, like we do every night. You guys, it's 7.30 p.m. already, time to talk about transgender things. Open up your Bibles. No, we we were just talking uh, about the topic, and I said, yeah, I don't, I don't remember how we got into it, but I said, uh... It came up that I said if I was a single person, if I was not with your mother, if I was dating, obviously you don't know, you never know, but I I have trouble seeing myself attracted to someone who was biologically born a male and is now a woman. It doesn't mean I think less of them. It doesn't mean I think God loves me more. But I think I would be much less likely to be attracted to a trans woman than a biologically born woman. And my wife said the same thing, except the opposite. And my daughter was so upset because trans women are women. And I was like, oh, yes, of course, yes, I'm not saying they're not. But I can't help what I'm attracted to. She was very upset at us, like like we were bigots, like we were... uh, you know, like we were disgusted by the concept of a trans person, and that's not the case. You can't help what you're attracted to. And it feels worse when a straight person says that, but it's the same thing when a a gay person says it. Ask a gay man about a woman's vagina. It's not gonna be all flattery that comes out of his mouth. I've heard gay men talk about a woman's vagina in a way that made me reconsider my love of it. I'm like, you know what? You're raising good points. Anyway, the internet's ruining the world, but that's not what we're here to talk about. But it's interesting that my, even at 14 and 11, my daughters are already sort of noticing you can't be woke enough for the internet. You can't 
you know. There's no way to be always on the right side of history. There's no way to not offend someone. They already know that at 14 and 11. Uh, which is interesting. Let me have a sip of my AM PM coffee. Mm. Tastes like the bathroom's closed. I did a show uh, last night at Linda's house. Were you there? Were you there? Did you go to Linda's? Thank you, Linda. I know you're a podcast listener. Thank you, Brad, who was there. I know you're a podcast listener. Uh, what a good time. I might play a clip or two from that show, but I put my, you know, it was a backyard show. And I, uh, I put my phone behind my karaoke sound system uh, in the grass, so you can't really hear anything. So uh, I will not play any clips from that show. But it was a good time. And also, like the backyard shows always are, a little chaotic, you know, dogs barking, lawnmowers running. Uh, there were some kids there <laughs> running around. I swear the timing on these children. Whenever I was going into a slightly inappropriate joke, a kid would run in front of me like, like God was trying to edit me. That was a good time. Thank, uh, thank you, Linda, for that. That was fun. Also, people were really generous. There was like a tip thing. I got, I made a lot of money. I don't want to. I don't want to specifically say how much money I made, but it was somewhere in between 2.1 and 2.3 million dollars. So you know it's a good show when afterwards you're like, I'm gonna buy land, and that's where I am right now. The 156th ranked comedy podcast in America does not say things like, I put my phone in the grass behind the karaoke machine so I don't have audio clips. <laughs> That's a low budget sentence. And now it's time for the comment of the week. The comment of the week is brought to you by AMPM. It should be illegal to sell coffee this shitty and not provide a place to sheet in. This comment is from YouTube. Gabriel is one of the few male comics so funny and so authentic he can laugh at his own jokes without it being annoying. He's enjoying the jokes with us, not clapping himself on the shoulder. One thing comedians are good at is, uh, or maybe just people, is spinning a compliment into a negative. Although that particular comment was worded in a way that was like, Normally, I don't like fat guys. You know, that kind of thing. Uh, but still, thank you for that compliment. I'm a little bit sensitive to this uh, this concept of laughing at your own jokes. Because there is, you do see people laugh at their own jokes, comedians. And there is a, a I guess as the, the commenter said, it, it's a little unauthentic, inauthentic. But I'm not... I'm not laughing at my jokes because I think they're funny. It's... 
guess it's both things. It's partly an act. That's why it's called an act, right? Partly, it's insane to tell a funny story and not also smile and chuckle while you do it. Like, take stand-up comedy out of it. If you were talking to your friend and they were like, the funniest thing that has ever happened to me happened to me last night and I'm going to tell you about it. And they did it deadpan with no smiling and no laughing. That would be a little weird. You know, if the conclusion of the funny story was them just like blank-eyed saying like, and that's when he pulled the gerbil out of his butt. You'd be like, there's something wrong between your brain and your mouth. You guessed it. He had a boner. I mean, there is a style of comedy that is deadpan, but that's not mine. Uh, so I'm not, I'm laughing because everyone in the room is laughing, hopefully. And so that makes me laugh. And also I'm telling a funny situation. You know, I'm telling a funny story. And so it's like, it, I don't know, it feels natural to me to do it. I hope people take it that way. I guess this person did. But I do think about that. Uh, I mean, it's not like I tell a joke and I go like, you know, <laughs> I'm not like slapping my leg or slapping my leg with my microphone like uh, Dave Chappelle does. Uh, I don't know. I guess it's only weird if you're the only one laughing. That's probably the difference. That was one of those comments that was like, thank you, I'm glad, that's what I'm going for. But at the same time, I didn't want anyone to notice. That is one of those compliments. You're one of the few people who does this thing that I don't think is terrible. <laughs> I remember I got a compliment once from someone that was like, a lot of your topics are like real basic shit. But you just do them so well. I'm like, thank you. I appreciate that. My lady and I, my wife, uh, we just had our 25th wedding anniversary. You know how many boners I've gotten in 25 years, you guys? 23. So not bad. Uh, we didn't do too much, you know. In my head, I always thought we'd have, like, some sort of party for our 25th anniversary, and then it kind of got here before I thought it did, and uh, we did not. Uh, maybe we'll have one of those in a year or two, but... So, we just went out to eat. But uh, somehow, very nicely, uh, we went out to... Uh, someone paid for our meal. We don't know who. An anonymous benefactor paid for our meal. Uh, we went to, what's it called? Hearthfire Grill, uh, which is a somewhat of a nice restaurant uh, in Olympia on the water. But yeah, someone paid for it. If the person who paid for it is listening, thank you. And you know what? 
if you're one of the people who pays for this podcast, there's a, you know, you know, you can, that's one of the options. You can pay five bucks a month to listen to this horse shit. Thank you. That helps keep me motivated. Also, I spend the money, but it keeps me motivated to go like, I'm going to record a podcast on the way down and the way back so I don't have to miss a week because I have a lot of people who pay money for this. I can't believe it's been 25 years, though. Holy shit. And we got married at 23, so there's another three or four years we were together. So you throw that in. Let's call it 28. 28 years of my life. Uh, I've been with my wife, Christy, which is just unbelievable. Uh, Mostly in a good way. One day at a time. That's how we did it. Just like sobriety. A marriage is one day at a time. You know what? Just like alcoholism is also one day at a time. I mean, sober people kind of took that one day at a time thing. But how do you think drunks do it? By skipping days? I don't think so. You do heroin one day at a time, too. I did a show in Rockwell, Washington, which is not a place I've ever been. Just when I think I've been to every tiny town in the Northwest. I went to Rockwell. Which is near Concrete and Darrington, which are also tiny places. That was that, that was a good time. That was a fun show. There was an older man in the front. Who the, the second I started, he started videotaping me. Sir, I would let the recording go if you didn't have the floodlight on. I feel like I'm getting pulled over right now. (laughs) Try it again. All right. What are you gonna do with the video, sir? That's my next question. Oh shit! I don't know what I'm doing. Do I need to call a grandson in to help you out with that thing? Absolutely. Yeah, I'm sorry. what happens. Even my, I don't have grip. My kids pick up my phone and they're like, you have 9,000 tabs open. What are you? <laughs> That's fine. I don't know why I was worried you were going to put it on YouTube when you can't turn the light off. I think YouTube. I know that's kind of the standard thing, especially at a concert or, I don't know, a street performer anything like that that you just take your camera out but it is it is a little weird to me when I just start the comedy show and someone just is gonna like I'm gonna record the show I don't love that I don't say anything for the most part because it's not worth putting the brakes on the show but I don't want you know I don't want shitty phone video of me in Rockwell, Washington to end up on YouTube. Uh, But I don't think people quite understand that. I don't think most people are putting it on YouTube or Facebook or 
but I don't know, comedy's a little different, you kind of, you got to be a little more protective of like, you know, when I put out the new material, I want it to come from me, I don't want it to come from some old man's cricket phone, and even beyond just being protective of the material, it kind of, I don't know, one of the things that happened during uh, COVID is everyone started live streaming, and then so when comedy would, it came back, it would be like, whatever, it's a, it's a third capacity in the room, but you can also buy a ticket to watch at home, live streamed. Well, if you're watching it live streamed, the room is not set up like it's a TV broadcast. So usually you can hear the comic, but not the audience. It doesn't sound good. It sounds like you're bombing. And so I've actually, I've had a couple of conversations with bars who are like, is it okay if we live stream it? And I'm like, no. <laughs> I'm like, you can live stream a couple minutes. That's it. But there has to be some incentive for you to leave the house and come see me. If I just live stream every show, no matter where I am in the country, there's never an incentive for you to leave your house and come see me do comedy. It is not my first instinct to get my phone out when something is happening. Uh, which is why if I ever see Bigfoot or a UFO, it'll be the very end of it. You'll see Bigfoot's ass as it disappears into the trees because I forgot I should have recorded. Pansexual. It's pansexual. That's what. I, that's the word we're attracted to. Everything. But even if you're pansexual, that doesn't mean you're actually attracted to everything. I mean, I'm not. I'm heterosexual. I don't know what you fucking heard, but let's get that straight right now. I'm heterosexual. And that doesn't mean I'm attracted to every woman. So yeah, I guess that's what I was trying to say to my daughter. All, trans women are women, but I'm not attracted to all women. So even if you are uh, uh, pansexual, it doesn't mean everyone. What a nightmare. If you were attracted to every single person you saw, that shit's chemistry too. That's biology and chemistry and pheromones, or is it pheromones? I don't know. you look at and you go, wow, that's beauty. Like you're looking at artwork. Like that is a gorgeous human form. The symmetry. The, uh, the artistic beauty of their body and face you're like wow gorgeous and some people you see and you go 
I want to put a baby in them. So they can never leave me. Anyway, 25 years of marriage, things are going pretty good. <laughs> All right. I'm going to be done. I'm going to listen to the rest of the Mariners game. Uh, talk to you next week, or actually, on the way home from this drive. Pfft.